Welcome to the Positive Talk podcast with hosts Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen. You picked a great day to join in the conversation as Julie, a psychotherapist, and Chuck, a pastor, merge faith and psychology to help you live with greater peace and purpose. Thanks again for joining us today for the Positive Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Chuck and Julie. Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for joining us this week for another episode of the Positive Talk podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and psych therapist, Julie Homrich. And Julie, last week we talked about this concept that you can become your own therapist in some ways. Yes. And you introduced a concept of an ABC model that I know that you'll kind of refresh our memory in a moment, Mm -hmm. but I got caught up this past week in really applying this to my own life. Mm -hmm. And much of this happens because of the B, the belief. Yes. The action occurs, the belief has to happen, then there's a consequence. There's a consequence based on what we're believing. Yes. And that is sort of a model of cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's a way that when we are aware of our belief system, um, then we can actually change the consequence or the things that happen in our life as a result. Um, What we found though, and what I found a lot in private practice is that people get kind of stuck on this sometimes Mm -hmm. because when they start to examine their beliefs, they aren't really necessarily sure how to do that um, or they're not really sure which thoughts they should dispute, right? Because they're so used to it. I mean, a lot of our thought patterns have been built over our entire lifetime. So it's kind of difficult to dismantle them piece by piece. But I think we start with this premise. And when I first heard this, Chuck, I was like, it kind of, it was kind of offensive to me. I was Mm -hmm. like, really? But don't believe everything you think. Okay, so... When I heard you first say this to me a year or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, the concept of don't believe everything I think, sometimes I really do believe in our everyday life, we forget that this brain of ours has such control yeah. over all the rest of our so body. So much, yeah. And mm-hmm. so when I began to understand how you described, you know, how that amygdala, you flip the lid and then all of a sudden it's sending these neurons through your body and your nerves get rattled and then everything is out of kilter. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, I've started to learn that this ABC thing truly is don't believe everything you think yeah, or at least be willing to challenge it. To challenge it, to yeah. question it. And it's true. I mean, how often do we really just kind of sit there and question what pops up in our mind? You know, I don't right, think right, it's right. typical for people to just sit around and think about our thinking, which there's a word for that, Chuck, a big one. It's called metacognition. I, I am going <laughs> to find some way in my teaching Sunday to use the word Use the word metacognition. Just for you, Julie. I love that word. Metacognition. I love that word. But what I love about the word is the fact that it's not so much that we have to sit around thinking about our thinking. Mm -hmm. It is that we have a moment, a brief moment of awareness that I should think about my thinking. Yeah, to become aware of that process. And generally, we tend to trust our thoughts, right? I mean, why wouldn't we until we understand yeah. this framework? But today, we're going to talk about when we actually shouldn't necessarily trust our thoughts. We should pause, um, examine them first. And here's why this is important from a neuroscience perspective, okay? So our brains are created to make connections, right? We see danger, we react, we want something, Mm -hmm. we move toward it, right? The challenge is that sometimes our brain actually makes faulty connections 
or wrongly assumes that one thing is caused by another when in reality there is no true causal relationship. Mm. Okay, so just because an action happens before or around the same time as another action, it doesn't mean it was caused by the preceding action. It just means they're connected in some way. Right. So in research, we say correlation doesn't equal causation, but it's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, yeah. But when I hear correlation doesn't equal causation, mm-hmm. that should that should motivate me to stop and challenge my thought. Exactly. Right? Because uh, while there may be connection, right. there does not have to be causation. Exactly. But so here's a thought for you. So as our listeners, maybe they're riding down the road today or possibly they're on a walk or on a treadmill or whatever, as they hear you talk about this... I wonder if it's helpful to stop and say, challenging your thought doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you're double-minded. It simply means you're aware of your humanity. Right, Right? exactly. Because it's true for all of us. Yeah, and I'm going to explain here in a minute why our brains do this. Right. So just to give a quick example of correlation not equaling causation, I think this is a funny example. It's ice cream and shark attacks. Okay. So if we look at data, it shows <laughs> it shows that as ice cream sales increase each year, shark attacks do as well. Does this mean ice cream causes shark attacks? Of course not. I bet on Facebook it does somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's probably on one of those There's uh, media channels. There's a TikTok channels. video yeah. out there right now about this, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a conspiracy theory. But it's much more likely that when it's hot outside, people are more likely to buy ice cream. And then they're also more likely to get in the ocean. Mm-hmm. It just increases the probability of a shark attack just by virtue of higher exposure. Right, right. So what does all this ice cream shark attacks have to do with our thought patterns? Well... Our brains can make similar mistakes, and all of our brains do this. It's not just like you said, the ones that are they're not defective in any way. This is just what, what our brains do. Because on a daily basis, not only are our brains trying to find connections, they're also doing a lot of other things, like mm-hmm. keeping us alive by sending signals to our hearts or regulating our body temperature. Now, these life-sustaining tasks, Chuck, they take up quite a bit of energy. So sometimes our brains want to take a shortcut and make these overly simplistic mental connections to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is that these thoughts we create or connections we create, they're not always true. Right. Sometimes they're faulty. And these faulty thought patterns are what we talked about last week when we discussed irrational beliefs. Yes. Now the term psychologists use for them is cognitive, meaning thought, and distortion, meaning a misrepresentation of reality. So mm. cognitive distortions. So a cognitive distortion. Uh, I have this thought that is, in my mind, very tangible. It's mm-hmm. there. I, 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 it's not like I can blow it off because it's just there. My mm-hmm. brain has created the thought. But it could be a distortion Mm-hmm. because of the B of what I believe about that thought. Yeah, usually it's it's the the process of how yeah. we come to a conclusion on something yeah. that can be distorted. So here's uh, here I think this is a, a deep question for people as they wrestle with this, and that is that I, a lot of people probably um, want to change mm-hmm. how they think or their thought patterns. The challenge might be that they have believed uh, one way or or been around people as they have matured in their life that believe one way yeah, and it is hard for them. So how, 
how do how do they determine what's true and not true just because it's just so it's just so familiar to familiar them. yeah and so many times we stay stuck in things that are not healthy or helpful because they're familiar right they yeah, feel that's right that's they right feel yeah. like home right? yeah it's, it's like you know eating uh you know eating country fried steak every <laughs> night is not good for you but it is comfortable it feels so familiar yeah, yeah. but you you can convince yourself well you know it's it's meat it's protein yeah but it's really just fried garbage, right? <laughs> yeah. But but you can convince yourself. Of course you can. Yeah. And I have done that many times with <laughs> cookie dough. So I, <laughs> I've heard clients, they come into therapy and they describe their thought processes. What I've heard is like this big web of tangled Christmas lights, right? Oh my gosh. Just, don't, we really don't want to go down this They're path. just not sure where to start. And it's it can feel so overwhelming. Where do I start? Um, and I think it can be an ongoing process, but mm-hmm. today we're going to give you some hints. We're going to talk to our listeners here and just kind of help you identify some of those irrational beliefs or cognitive distortions for the purpose of helping you question your thoughts when they arise, then challenge them into healthier thoughts, which in turn create healthier emotions and behaviors. But we all fall into cognitive distortions, right? I mean, we all yeah. do. Yeah. This, is not, um, this is not limited. This is really a universal it is. Yeah. So I, I would guess that when you become aware of them, that you, you're aware, wait a minute, I, this thought is probably a distorted perspective and thought. And so I want to change them. You can become better and better at this because this now becomes a new way of not necessarily thinking, but how you deal with your thinking. Yeah. It's a new way of, of processing so life. <laughs> I become, so like, like most things, I become aware of this. Mm-hmm. I become aware that I'm, I'm not immune mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. As a result, I have to confront that and I can. Yeah. And as I do, I begin to feel the health that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Back to the Christmas lights though for a minute. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, we, we have the same problem everybody has with Christmas lights, right? What's that? And that is, it is a tangled web. web. <laughs> so I've just learned now that at the end of every Christmas, when I take the lights off the tree, I just throw them away. You throw them away? I you just like throw them away. You budget for Christmas lights Absolutely, every year. Absolutely, every year, because I refuse to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like... There's actually little things that you can wrap them around. Like, they're like little... That is a cognitive distortion. <laughs> no, it's a cognitive distortion to throw them away, Chuck. No, it's you not. You know what? I, I think in my case, my wife would, would argue with that and say, we have a healthier marriage I think it's probably, because I throw them away. I think it, it's probably a cognitive distortion to think you have to keep them. There you go. Thank you for Anyway, that. so let's... Now back away from my personal therapy session, back to the podcast. <laughs> well, a therapist would not be arguing with you about something that's helpful for your life. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, and I think the thing that's important to remember is that a lot of times, if it is a distortion, it goes hand in hand with depression. And so like yeah, your Christmas yeah. light example, hey, that works for you. You go for it. I remember, <laughs> you know, hearing this story of a a woman who was like, you know, I I went to my therapist and I was just so exhausted and I just felt like I can't even I was so mad at myself cuz I couldn't even make a sandwich and I just didn't have the energy and she was like, "Well, just eat each of the pieces separately." And she was like, "Oh, well, I can do that in my life. Like, this is easy to do, right? Like, do what works for you is what I'm trying to say here. I love that. So let's get to it. I may surprise some listeners here with the cognitive distortion that I start with, especially as a therapist who puts such high priority on emotional awareness and expression. But the first 
cognitive distortion that I want to mention is something we call emotional reasoning. Mm -hmm. This distortion is based on the erroneous belief that I feel it, therefore it must be true. So it's almost as if we don't recognize that our thoughts and feelings are two distinct entities. We become our feelings instead of becoming aware of our feelings. This this is such a massive aha. Yeah. Right? That um, they are two distinctly different entities within our own body. Yeah. No different than a hand and a foot. Mm-hmm. I need them both. Yeah, they're connected in in movement, right? right? In practical but the fact is, they, they are doing two separate things. Yeah. But when I become my feelings, mm-hmm. then I'm going to act and react mm-hmm. on those feelings. Yeah. And when I do that, in my own case, I create consequences in my life that are not healthy for me, nor in my relationships. Yeah. And sometimes people, if they tend to become their feelings, they Mm. might swing the pendulum the other way in hopes of disconnecting completely from their feelings, right? So we say things like, well, I wear my feelings on on my sleeve, Mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes that must be kind of a mechanism in which we just try to rationalize and say, well, that's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. But it could be the way we are, but we don't have to remain that way. Yeah. And it's okay to be somebody who is sensitive yeah, as long right. as you're recognizing, as we like to say, let your emotions be messengers, not masters. I love that. They're telling yeah. you something, they're telling you information, but they're not ruling you. Um, okay. So another cognitive distortion is something we called attribution biases. And I actually love talking about this because I think it's so relevant. Um, there are different forms of this. Maybe you judge yourself based on your intentions, but judge others on their actions. Ooh. Okay. Have you ever heard of this, Chuck, how people can do this? Like oh we think, my gosh. well, I didn't mean to do it. Right. Oh yeah. But then when someone and, else and yet does you it. Did. Yeah. Well, yeah. so, so, so here, so from a Bible perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus makes this really cool statement, you know, so you are so concerned about the speck in someone else's eye, mm-hmm. you forget there's a telephone pole sticking out of yours. Yeah. You know, I, I know, th- I know we're talking about two separate issues here, but in some ways we're They're related. a very, a very related issue. Yeah. And that is, it is so easy to always find fault with others, Mm -hmm. but not hold ourselves to that same standard. Right. And that's what the, what an attribution error is. Yeah, We're assuming that, you know, other people should believe the best about us. Because my intention was wholesome. Exactly. But then when they do something, we're like, oh, they meant to hurt my feelings. Right. right? Um, So that's, that's an attribution bias that I think is important to recognize. Um, Another one that I see a lot in my office is a shame-based attribution Ooh. error. So this is where if things go wrong in your life, you might attribute it to, well, I'm just unworthy of mm-hmm. love and success. I don't deserve this. You know, this kind of shame-based, sometimes victim mentality approach, you're attributing things to the wrong source. Mm. And maybe it's not because everything just goes wrong in your life. Maybe it's because you're in an environment where you know, there's privilege or lack thereof or somebody, you know, just the community. I hear people speak of relationships with God that way. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll literally will have people say, well, God's got so many more things more important to concern himself with than me. Right. Yeah. You know, and And you're like, how do you 
know like, how that. do you know that? Yeah. yeah. It's, so my the challenge that I'll have, you know, as a pastor is to say, you know, it's, God's not limited by how you perceive him. Exactly. Don't put him in that and box. And neither are other people. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I think one way that we can pull ourselves out of these attribution errors is to stay curious before being judgmental, whether mm. that's about ourselves or about other people or about God or just about life in general. We open ourselves up to this idea that there may be multiple reasons or explanations for the way that things are, not just the one that we have stuck in our mind. Right. And when we do this, we are free to accept new information as it arises because we don't, quote, have the answer, mm-hmm. right? We haven't That's already right. attributed it. Um, and I think this type of understanding often helps us avoid another cognitive distortion, which is what we call fortune telling. Oh. So, you know, we assume that just because a situation is currently bad or good even, that it'll always be that way, right? Have you ever heard people be like, it's just never going to get better? I hear that in marriage counseling a lot. Yeah. They will never change. They will never change. And it's like, well, are you, can you tell the future? Are you a fortune teller? And yes, of course, we need to set healthy boundaries. But I think sometimes we do this fortune telling because it's difficult. It's so difficult to hold an unknown future in your mind. Mm. You feel like you can't control it. Yeah, and so right. we fortune tell, we try to gain some certainty, like we talked about a few weeks ago, even though it's a false certainty because we just can't know the future. You know, I've, I have found myself um, in my own career battling this at a personal level. Mm. It's like, but Chuck, you, you can't do that. Mm. Or like even when, when I started writing a blog or we started a podcast, there was this inner voice that said, why would anybody care what you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to listen to you. I mean, you know. Yeah. And what I've discovered is these limiting beliefs are exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, those are false certainties, mm-hmm. but I portray them as if the movie script is already written Yeah. without any control that I have mm-hmm. of, over it. Mm-hmm. And deep down, though, when I, again, stop for a moment, yeah. And I realized, wait, that's not, that's literally not true. Yeah. Well, and I like to use the term maybe, maybe not, right? right like if right. we start to have these questions, well, are people going to listen? Are people going to care? Maybe they will. That's you know, right. you, we think maybe they won't, but maybe, maybe they, they will. will. That's right. right. Um, my, one of my sons, I won't say which one, he, uh, it's so funny, an attribution bias that I noticed the other day. They were walking in the neighborhood, all the kids, they just kind of roam around and um, just in this one particular kind of cul-de-sac. And one of my sons was talking about, have you ever heard people call someone a Karen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the... Don't be a Karen. It's like the phrase of like yeah. a really demanding yeah, yeah, yeah. woman or whatever. So my son comes home and he's like, well, me and my friend, we we think that this particular mom is a Karen, you know? And like, <laughs> and I'm like, why do you think she's a Karen? You know, she's yeah. like a lovely person, yeah, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, whenever we walked, I mean, we walked by today and she was just looking at us this way or whatever. And I'm like, dude, she might have had bad Mexican for lunch. Yeah, like yeah. you do not know. You are attributing something to her right. that you just, you know, that's that's an attribution bias. And Let's we all do assume. it. We all do it. So one of the things that I do think is helpful is um, I know you talk a little bit about the fallacy of fairness. Yeah. I love this topic. Yeah, so I couldn't wait to get to this part of our conversation because I think 
to me, this is the key element in today's podcast. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Well, I don't know one human on the planet who hasn't at some point said, it's not fair. It's not fair. That's not yeah. fair. It's like it's built into our DNA. It is. It really is. Um, I've always wondered kind of why do we do that, you know? Yeah. And as I've studied this more, it's interesting because the cognitive distortion, there's actually a name for one of them called a just world fallacy, meaning mm. that we believe the world needs to be just. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The reason why we do this, Chuck, is because if we subscribe to this just world fallacy, this has to be fair, mm. we assume that people get what they deserve. Wow. And here's what that does for us. It helps us to feel safe and in control because we believe that actions will have fair and morally fitting consequences for the person who acted. Mm. So this is how we apply this. We think, okay, well, if this is the way the world works, we can then strive to live in a way that keeps us safe in a little bubble because we believe that we are in control of what happens to us. We try to mitigate risk and we kind of follow this equation. Like, okay, if we were good, then we receive good, right? This is kind of why we get frustrated when we say it's not fair. Yeah. But we know that this just isn't how life works. It is just not true in any part of the world. Yeah. I, I fear that um, American Christianity breeds yeah. some of this. Yes. If you do good, you get good. Yes. You know, if it's like you, an OCD faith. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the Bible never teaches that. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely we reap what we sow. I mean, mm-hmm. we all get that concept, yeah. right? But but just because you do good doesn't mean good's coming back to you. Yeah. It's, it is like, um, I. It, so the person that goes to do a mission trip, mm-hmm. they go with the intent. I mean, it's so internal. They probably would never say it. But they go with the intent that if I go do good, then good things are going to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. And then they think, wait a minute, why do I have so much crap going on in my life right, right now? Right. I, th- I thought I went and did good. Well, that's a causation. That's a correlation, yeah. causation kind of yeah. thing. They think, oh, it's, you know, why doesn't this causing good things to happen? And, but then the concept of, but God, you should be fair. Right. Right. right? But, but we even know in Christianity mm-hmm. that um, being a Christian comes with great challenges. Yeah. It's it's not it's not a road of luxury or ease. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like okay, if you if you love God more, he's going to love you more. Right. Because there's you can't make God love you more, or love you less because he just loves you. Yeah. You know? So it's this causation thing in our life, I think it can cause us great turmoil. It can. And Do you it, think it leads to, and I, I mean, this really is a central in my belief system, mm-hmm. that this causes at times to be in comparison mode with other humans. Yes. So I look at somebody mm-hmm. and I think, holy cow, how come they have all that good going on in their life yeah. when I'm trying to be so good? Exactly. But there's... You you can't come to a causation of them and you. Yeah, that's a that's a just world fallacy. Yeah, you think yeah. what I do should reap these particular results, and when it doesn't, right. it feels very unfair. And then we have to blame, right? Who do we blame? If yeah. we, we might blame God, we might turn blame. We might blame others. We might yeah. turn blame inward, which is like depression is like blame right. and anger anger turned inward. Um, so there's a lot of different things that can come out of that. Yeah, I worked with a. Um, a family that was battling cancer in a spouse. Mm, mm-hmm. And this was several years ago. And um, I'll never forget um, this lady was, she was struggling with stage four breast cancer. And her husband looked at me and he said, here's what I don't understand is 
why her? She eats healthy. Yeah. She runs. She's never smoked a day in her life. Mm-hmm. Her brother's been smoking since he was 12, like yep. two packs a day, and he's as healthy as a horse. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. And, you know, the, the problem is my answer had to be I don't either. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't get that either. Yeah. And, but sometimes it's okay to just not not understand it. Yeah. And know that the answers that you seek, perhaps maybe knowing that at that point in time would not be helpful to you. That's right. Because part of what I've had to learn to do as a pastoral counselor is say, you know, the thing that we don't know Mm -hmm. is what she might be spared from. Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah. Um, But you, you cannot change some of what we see as unjust or unfair issues in life, but you can change how you perceive how them you perceive it. If and you how can, you act toward yeah, them. Yeah, and if you can accept the reality Absolutely. of what life is. You know, I I've got two young boys, and so the it's not fair thing can come up a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I will say to them, you know, you are each so unique. And so mm-hmm. it's not going to be fair. I'm going to, I'm going to help based on what each of you needs. That's right. Yeah. You're going to need different things in different times and different seasons. Yeah. So it's not always going to be fair, but I'm here to help support what you need when you need it. And as kids, they don't always know what they need, right? Just like yeah, us as yeah. children of God, we don't always know, you know, what mm-hmm. might be on the other side. Of I things. read an article the other day, Julie, you know, I, I, I just read constantly. Yes, you I, do. I read this article the other day that had uh, this, this concept woven into it, which was that we have a bias toward wanting to read something that says these four or five <laughs> things, if you do them, yeah. then this is what's going to happen in your life. Right. And we're drawn to them because we want a checkbox. Uncertainty, yeah. Because if we check the box, life's going to be fair. Right, exactly. And then when, when that happens, we crash and burn mm-hmm. because it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I just, this is why I think this is such a good thing for us to wrap our head around mm-hmm. and know that as you work your way through this ABC model, challenge what you think should or shouldn't be fair and just try to eliminate that concept because it's not always fair. Yeah. And you're bringing us to directly to the next cognitive distortion, which is shoulding. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I want to spell that for excessive. people. <laughs> I, that's a S-H-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. Just want to be sure you so got that. I So jo- I tell my clients all the time, jokingly, okay, hold up, hold up. You're sh- you're shooting all over yourself right now. Like, and you know stop what? shooting I everywhere. Have, I, have, I have done that. Yeah. Oh, we all do that. Yeah. We all do that. Because again, it gives us some kind of box or framework that we think we yeah. can put things in. But seriously, when we live our lives based on shoulds, we are essentially allowing other people's or society's expectations of us to become the determining factors for our Absolutely. individual future. So when we live in shoulds, and this is what I like to say when someone says, well, I should because you know my in-laws think this or because this, and I say, wow, it sounds like you're giving them way too much power. That's right. right? That's right. Um, why does another person get to control our lives with their expectations of us? Right. Um, so whenever I catch myself landing in the shoulds, I stop and ask myself, says who? I should do this. I love that. Says who? I'm wondering for you, Chuck, do you ever find that people get so focused on shoulds in their faith that they kind of seem to miss the point altogether? Oh, gosh. Relationship and stuff. So like we were talking, I was in a conversation yesterday, actually, about this very issue. And um, the conversation went kind of like this. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't believe that they are doing or acting or behaving. In this case, it was a language issue. 
Okay. Right. So um, I they should be mm-hmm. at this point, or they should do that. Yeah. Um, and then the question came back. Well, then what should you do about that? Yeah. And then it's like, oh crap. No, oh, here we go. You know? <laughs> um, so I I see this in church life. Yeah. All the time. I'm sure. We should on people all the time, mm-hmm. and we should on ourselves. And then the we're you know basing our relationship with God on shoulds. If that's that's the framework for how we believe relationships are. Yeah. Um, And when we do that, we are setting both ourself and others up for great failure. mm -hmm. You know, the, the striving, a lot of striving. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I should be better than that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you don't, you, you, you weren't made in a vacuum of perfection here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like God, Stopped in the middle of the hallways of heaven and went. Oh, I mean, he <laughs> that, knows. That he, one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. I mean, think about it. Have you ever realized that God has probably never said, "Oh my God." Well, one of my favorite quotes, I think it was Graham Cook or somebody. He said, "God doesn't get disillusioned with you because he never had illusions in the first right, place." Right, right, right. It's like he Same sees concept, you for who right? you are. Yeah. So I think the what what helps at a spiritual level, and, I, and I, this is. Uh, I don't mean for it to sound deep because it's really a simplistic concept, but I, I think when we recognize that there is there is a God and we're not him, mm-hmm. that it really has a significant impact on how we should. Yeah. Because yeah. I, if I can see God as God sees me mm-hmm. and I can understand how God sees me, that he loves me. Yeah. That you know, no matter what I do or act or be, he still loves him. He may be, he may be brokenhearted that his mm-hmm. kid, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't ideal, but but he but he never stops loving me, right? right. And he, he's always there with open arms to receive me back. Mm-hmm. And when when I get to this this shoulding issue, <laughs> I love you know, that we just keep talking about shoulding all over well, the it place. Feels like, it feels like it's an okay pastoral cuss word, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just run with it, Chuck. I, this could I be a sermon in the near future. Stage. This could be. I want to yeah. hear it from the pulpit. Will you let me get back to the podcast here? See, this <laughs> we have reverse roles here all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But I really do think that um, the moment of challenging the belief mm-hmm. will limit the should. Mm-hmm. And you can shift it at that moment when yeah. you start to hear "I should." You pause. Say, says who? If it's you, yeah. Or if it's God or whatever, you know, you yeah. can say you can change it to. I hope to, yeah, yeah. or I want to, right? Yeah. Because then it's it's an active thing and it's not a reactive thing. So one thing, I mentioned this in a podcast last season. Mm-hmm. This has helped me with shooting greatly. Mm-hmm. And that is each day I ask myself, how would I define the person God desires me to be today? Mm-hmm. And I write down five adjectives every morning on the bottom of a, a card. Yeah. Just a little three by five index card. At the end of the day, I look back at that and I just, I mean, literally out loud, I'll just say, Lord, how do we do? Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered is just that one little tiny simplistic exercise allows me the opportunity to momentarily yeah. stop, challenge the belief, challenge the should and think, but wait a minute, that's not what a truthful person and do. you you can do that. You bring that card, you know, yeah. listeners bring that card with you when you're questioning, when you're like, should, you know, or this belief yeah, system, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you can look at that and say, is this in line Absolutely. With, with these these five things? Yeah. So I just, I want to encourage all of us to, to recognize that we, we have the unique ability to assist ourselves in those 167 hours that you're not 
with your therapist. Yeah. That you really can uh, take this ABC concept mm -hmm. and you, you can avoid many of these things we talked about, these um, cognitive distortions. distortions, which I just want to remember those two words. Mm -hmm. uh, the thought and its accuracy. I think about it like a f one of those fun mirrors at carnivals. There it's you like go. it's distorted, you know, yeah. it's distorted. You, like you know it's you, but that's not really but that's how you not look. Really yeah. how you look. Right? That is such a cool that's that's a really neat thing to pack in our head mm -hmm. and say, Am I looking at that funhouse mirror mm -hmm. or am I truthfully seeing this? Yeah. And when when we can take the moment to do that, we really can help become our own therapist. Mm -hmm. I think we will build healthier boundaries and we will build stronger relationships through it as well. Yeah. And absolutely. so that's part of our hope through this podcast that mm -hmm. this is what we would do. So on behalf of Julie and all of our team here at the positive talk podcast, um, we want to say thank you for joining us and trust that you'll share these podcasts through your social media networks. And like always, I think of people I want to share it with immediately just while we're recording. Mm -hmm. Like I think about my friend uh, Parker, who's right next door <laughs> recording for us. And I mean, nobody's more whacked out than that dude. He needs some of this help. And so, uh, you know, I always think, how could I send this to Parker? Parker is just like laughing from the studio window. He knows. He I know, but knows. his girlfriend will be happy that we mentioned him on the podcast. So <laughs> Th thanks seriously for being a part of all that we have here. We're we're right at 10,000 subscribers yes. to the Positive Talk podcast. That blows my mind. And last year I was struggling with cognitive distortions of <laughs> should we even do this? <laughs> yeah, who knew? Who, who knew? knew? So uh, I invite you, if you haven't listened to season one and season two, you can always catch up on all of our previous episodes at our website, which is Positive Talk Podcast. Dot com, and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks so much for listening in, and we both trust that you have the best week where you discover greater peace and a purpose-filled life. Thanks again for joining Chuck and Julie for this week's Positive Talk Podcast. We would love to hear from you and tackle a few of your questions, so visit our website at PositiveTalkPodcast.com and look for the Leave a Voicemail button. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again and go in peace.